Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. From 6th and Peabody, we broadcast live with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. With Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. The entire crew making it happen for us. Big show plan. A massive divisional round preview across the NFL coming your way throughout the next three hours. Armando Salguero will help us do just that. He will join us today at 320 Central, 420 Eastern. And later in the show, we'll discuss the best qualities for Joe Burrow and some top questions, five questions that will help decide the divisional round for the NFL weekend. Trey Wallace from OutKick.com will hit the college football headlines with us. There are plenty of them. That's coming up in 20 minutes. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, Excited about a football-heavy show today on a day that, uh, let's face it, we should be talking a lot of football because there's a bunch of talk about coming up this weekend. Paul, nice scarf. Thank you. I'm still thawing out. It is very cold. It's <laughs> been Nashville. outside all day. Very cold in Nashville today. And uh, it was very cold out talking to the Titans who I, I hesitate to say this because people read so much into it. <clears throat> and I proved my own theory because in I tweeted out, I hesitate to say this and I never read much into it. But Mike Vrabel, A.J. Brown, Taylor Lewan, and Julio Jones were in terrific moods today. And, of course, people go crazy with that. But I think I also remember them being in terrific moods before the Jets game, the last time we talked to them before the Jets game, which is why I don't read into such things. People always ask me, like, what kind of mood are the guys in before big games and stuff? And it tends not to – it doesn't correlate. This or maybe the, it's better if they're tense and taut, you know? This is the old school fan would watch their team running out of the tunnel and say, our boys oh, are ready, ready today. Ready. Look at that. Look how ready this group is. They're going to go out and win by 30 points. And I've done really it for a good while, anything. and I've never found any kind of correlation between like, ooh, I saw this coming on, on Friday based on their mood and their tone as they answered our question. I mean, I think it's fun to speculate – Boy, there's a real quiet confidence about a group if you're around them or you see something a little bit out of the ordinary. And you could see it on the in I joke about fans saying, Boy, they ran out of the tunnel ready to go. This is gonna be a good day. I've seen games where I watch a team enter the playing field or the court and and think, That's weird. They seem a little bit out of it. And they go out and lose by thirty points. And then you think, I wonder if the fact they were a little bit out of it when they ran out of the tunnel had anything to do with it. Probably not. But maybe it did. So, hey, let's, let's speculate away. You've also away. seen teams, you know, uh, laser-focused, serious with nothing to say, come out and, dom- you know, you've seen all the combinations turn into all the results. Well, let, I, me, let me say this about the NFL right now. It's a lot of fun to talk about the games and the drama around the teams and legacy and everything else. It is zero fun to talk about what players and coaches say because they're not saying bleep no. No. at any point. No, I, it's, a, I don't, it's a bore. I mean, I don't care about press conferences. I don't care about Zoom conferences. I, I have not heard one thing from a press conference around the NFL this year that's worth a damn 
So I don't care, quite frankly. I'd rather us talk about it and hear fans discuss their teams than actually hear the players and coaches say things about the game because they're not saying anything. I agree. And and honestly, here in in Nashville, and Paul, you lived through it, here in Nashville is top of the list for franchises that aren't going to tell you a thing about what's going on. Yeah, and they followed the lead of their coach this week. You know, Vrabel made it very clear right off the out of the gate. You know, he wasn't going to say anything specific about any guy. You know, I, I wanted to work on something about Taylor Lewan's progress, and he turned it into an answer of not about Taylor Lewan. And I was like, all right, so much for that. If I'm writing that, I'm writing it without Vrabel. Now, I will say Lewan in a minute and a half. Lewan and Julio Jones did side by side press conference today, just because they were both there, and they said, "Hey, you want to do it together." So there was some interaction with them, which in this day and age qualifies as interesting and fun because it's different. And most NFL media now is going on by Zoom. So I think most reporters around the country are looking at us saying, look at these guys. They got two good players side by side, hamming it up. And we're stuck here doing Zoom from home. Lawan was pretty candid about, you know, uh, his recovery from the ACL. And I have gotten better and I've been on a good thing. But no, I've not had any kind of season based on my standard, but none of that matters now because we are where we are, and I've got to go, you know, basically put it on film now in these things. Hendrickson uh, has been cleared from concussion protocol. Um, That's big and, for And Vrabel said they expect to see him predominantly on the Titans' left. Uh, which is where he lines up predominantly. So that's going to be a very good matchup, and it doesn't matter that Taylor Luan hasn't played up to his typical level this year. It will matter what he plays up to on Sunday across the river here. I wonder how Hendrickson is at stopping the run. We know he's a very good pass rusher because I anticipate Henry running left quite a bit based on what pro football doc had to say about him cutting on his left foot versus his right. If that's the they, case, I'm I'm running him left, and I, I wonder how much the Bengals load up. Yeah, load up on that side and and go kind of unbalanced, if you will. We're going to have a conversation later that ties into run defense overall, uh, where I think we'll get into some interesting matters pertaining yes, to this. Yes, because uh, the discussion for the first game is about the run game for the Titans, and across the rest of the matchups, it's all about quarterbacks, wide receivers, and pass defense. We'll we'll ask the question if run defense is the least talked about or the most underrated aspect of all four games. That's coming up a little bit later in today's show. Um, a couple headlines out there. Uh, Chad, you put this in in, in the uh, the rundown today. Harbaugh at Michigan. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, the reports are, if he's offered the Raiders' job, he's going to take it. That's the assumption by people close to him. I think he's going to take it. I think he'll take it well, if he's leaving that open. I mean, I think he's going to get offered it if that's – the case could Jim Harbaugh come across any thirstier than he is right now for an NFL job well with these reports these reports from Bruce Feldman who's been all over it getting leaked uh Bruce Feldman with the athletic had the report that if offered he's going to take it um if you don't come out and say I'm not interested in other jobs I'm happy here at Michigan and you don't get these NFL jobs any of them you look terrible. Well, you come out and because say you're I happy mean, in Michigan when they give you a big pay bump, which is, again, to if, set up for that if when you're he trying wants to it. negotiate in the middle. And, and reports were that Michigan was negotiating with him on a contract extension and a pay raise. So if you're, if you're negotiating in the middle of that and you've got Feldman, who is great at reporting all things college football coaching news, reporting that if the Raiders offer, he's likely to take it. Again, that's, 
that's another great negotiating tactic. I, I don't I don't think this is about negotiation at all. I, I really think Jim Harbaugh wants out of college football because his personality does not line up with everything we talked about with Josh Pate earlier this week in regards to pushing NIL, listening to college players' demands for NIL money or transfer portal and all of that. Jim, Jim Harbaugh wants to coach football. I think ultimately that's what he wants, and I don't think money is the ultimate determining factor for him. The guy took a big pay cut to try to go and succeed at Michigan one more year. I, I really think he wants out. I think we're going to see more college coaches that want out. Um, Kirby Smart talked about it, and uh, I think people hear it and think, well, this is foolish because they make so much money and they make more money than NFL coaches. I, I really think you get to a certain amount of money for a lot of people, and they don't care. They'll take a $2 million pay cut if it means that they can live a normal life or something close to a normal life. And I don't think to succeed in major college football right now, you're living a normal life uh, with everything you have to constantly monitor. If you're not on your phone checking your Twitter DMs every 15 minutes to reply to a recruit or get back with a business that's got an NIL deal or monitor the transfer portal or deal with an assistant coach who's dealing with someone in recruiting then you're not doing a good enough job. And you can go to the NFL and have an offseason. I think it's a far better lifestyle in the far NFL, better. but less, less money for sure. Listen, well, you, if, well, it doesn't on. have to be less money. If he but, wants the NFL, why is he not putting his name in the hat for other organizations? Well, it's in. It's and, then, in. and then negotiate against the Raiders oh, and, I, and that I've money. Seen, I've seen Bears reports well, with it's him. In, it's I've in. Seen, I mean, yeah. the, the agent I think he is, would take any NFL job right now. Places. It's just that they're not jumping to to get that name. I, out I think there. he probably prefers the Raiders because of his relationship with Mark Davis. And you can, and I, mean, I Mark, think he's Mark putting, Davis is happy to throw in an extra three million if he's competing with the Bears. And I think that he has yes, and I think that he's put his name in there for that because he's talked to them. But I think he would take any NFL job. I think he's. The, the report's getting out there about the Raiders because he's talked more with the Raiders. I think he's been unsuccessful in generating enthusiasm yeah. with these other teams. Again, I think he looks like a guy who's desperate to get out of college football and get an NFL job, and they're going to keep leaking reports like this until someone offers him a job. But if he doesn't land one of those jobs, it's an awkward spot right well, now Paul, in Michigan for him because he wants out. I, I, in Harbaugh's defense, a lot of – I mean, comparing salaries – there are NFL teams that won't pay Michigan money for Jim Harbaugh. No, right I now. understand, and also, that's why the teams are. And also, in it. these teams, whether they're interested or not in that salary, you don't have the salary talk right at the beginning. And oh, a you lot know of the, what it takes. I know, but you a have lot to be of, above where he is right now. A lot of these teams are doing a good job at interviewing a very big field, which I think is smart. You interview and as a many people group. as many as you can. I'd get him in the door to talk to him about my roster. Uh, but no, with with him again. Yeah, I don't think you could get him in your door unless you're legitimately going to pay what the Raiders would be willing to pay him. Well, I think you could say... There are five teams that are paying Raiders money for their coach. I think you could say we'd consider it, but I'm not telling you what I'm doing before I meet you. And so if it takes that, then go ahead and talk to the Raiders. Here's what my biggest thing. Does Jim on this Harbaugh whole thing, have an agent now? Didn't he hire one? He yes, didn't he have one at one presume. point. Okay, David Dunn. I, I think yeah. the biggest thing here is Mark Davis, and I think Mark Davis is making a mistake if he does this because. Harbaugh guarantees you churn. Maybe he gets you results. Maybe. He came up short. He's come up short in both of his things. Close, but no cigar. But this, it, this temptation that everybody has, the Gruden temptation that he just had, Basaccia did a good job. People are invested in him. They like him. He's got him on a decent track. 
they're coming out from under Mayock, who had the the uh, bad early drafting, right? I don't know what they're going to do for a GM, and I think the GM needs to be of major influence here. So if you're hiring Harbaugh, Harbaugh has to be technically hiring the GM, I would think. I don't like coaches in control of the GM. I prefer it to be balanced. But That was the I, problem with Gruden and Mayo. Yeah, I think the Raiders should be going forward with the guy they have because I think he's proven himself in that organization, in that structure. And I think Basaccia could be your guy for six or eight years, whereas Harbaugh's got like a four-year life cycle in these jobs, it looks like to me. But I don't think he could be your guy for, what'd you say, six to eight years if you're going to hire a new general manager and then trust that guy to make all the moves. That guy's going to want his coach. Yeah, well, that's so the why, problem. So why would you hire Basaccia? Not now. having him on the same clock. Well, you got to hire somebody that i mean i i never like it when they don't come in on the same clock right the, the titans have been fortunate in that uh they survived with the Mal- malarkey robinson thing and then robinson got the hire of rabel and then they aligned their contracts so they're on the same clock ideally you're hiring both at this at the same time um but if Harbaugh is going to be your coaching hire that new gm isn't doing the hiring mark davis is doing the hire yeah i think the proper uh the direction you want to go, the order you want to go in is either GM, then head coach, or GM, head coach at the same time. Well, the I don't, GM, I, don't, I think it's out of line when you hire the head coach and then a GM you, after the you fact. You hire the, the GM first, and he doesn't necessarily completely hire the head coach. You, The GM and the owner hire him together, but he's not completely the head but, coach's boss. Yeah, but you need GM and head coach to sign off on each, each other. Each other, yes. So... GM first, head coach you want needs to sign off on that GM yeah. and say, I want to work with this guy or girl, and, and vice versa. Or it's a package deal. You're hiring both at the same time. Maybe they have a track record together or you know they're going to work well together. You bring them at the same time. But I would never want to hire coach before bringing in GM. Agree. Agree. Uh, I, I, and the only circumstance you do that is when the coach has too much power and, and he's too big of a name. Right, or it, or it demands out. too much I mean, power. Bill I, Bill I O'Brien guess, seized that power. It it yeah. failed. I guess it worked out for the Titans. But Urban I mean, had this that is, power. is in the same situation Malarkey was in. He was the interim. He was named head coach, and we knew he was going to be named head coach, even though they they interviewed others. But whenever they were interviewing general managers, they were asking about Malarkey, and then they paired John Robinson with Malarkey, and we saw how long that lasted—about two years. Two years. That's, and they that's had Bisaccia. a reasonable amount of that's success. That's why Bisacci is right. not a six to eight year coach and with yeah, the Raiders. You're right. I do think, though, I, I, my gut feeling now is Bisacci will come out of that in good shape to be a coach. Oh, yeah. No, I'm no, not. He's at a different stage of his career I'm than just, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking specifically no, to the situation. I am, too. I just think, I think Harbaugh, I don't know. Here, here's what you're weighing. You know, you want that four year cycle that might peak with the Super Bowl? I mean, if you gave me four years and said I could have a Super Bowl with it, I'd take it. But if it doesn't get the Super Bowl and it blows your organization up in four years, then all you're doing is getting back on the, the treadmill. Well, but you can say that about any coach right now that's about to be hired. Yeah. but I mean, I, Doug I, Peterson's the only Super Bowl coach out there right now. But you don't... Other than Harbaugh. You, uh, they all end badly, yes. Do they all end with the organization kind of blowing up the way San Francisco blew up at the end? Not, not to the same degree they don't. Yeah, but I mean, we just spent uh, two weeks ago talking about how Trent Baalke screwed that up. Yeah. Well, the, and the, now no one wants to work with him. Two of them in tandem. Yeah, it's amazing that he's employed. That's where we end up in this whole thing. Trent Baalke's got a GM job. 
Well, and to be fair to Jim Harbaugh, he's had the one NFL head coaching job that blew up. He just completed his seventh year at Michigan, and it was his best year yet in year seven. Hasn't blown up there yet. I mean, if he can make it work at Michigan, he can make it work for an NFL team. But he's got a reputation as a difficult guy, right? Yeah, but I mean, I I think... the best coaches do. I think you can say that about... John Gruden's the same way. Nick Saban? I mean, we can can go both... Both uh, college and pro. There. I just don't think you put a time frame on well, it and say you know it's a four year cycle. I think you yeah, look at every hire is, like three or four years. My point there is, Paul, the guy's at least coached in a Super Bowl. He's taken a oh, team yeah. in the NFC to a Super Bowl, and uh, and looking at the long list of coaches, I mean Dan Quinn and and Doug Peterson, the two that come to mind that have been interviewed right now that have done the same thing. Ideally, I'd like to go find the next guy, but I understand everybody's trying to find the next guy and nobody's doing it. Hardly anybody's doing it. You know, you're not finding McKay. I mean, and, Doug, and McVay. Doug Peterson. Right, 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 right. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles at quarterback, and Jim Harbaugh got his team to a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick at quarterback. You know, some good coaching. That that seems like a pretty good hire to me. If I'm hiring either one of those guys. Yeah, Peterson's what, a definitely see, a good coach. He had all kinds from, of crap going on with the Eagles. Learn from what the 49ers did, though. They, they tried to go find the next guy, find the new guy. They went with Jim Tom Sula, which is an utter failure oh, yeah. after Harbaugh left. So you speak? can go try to find the new guy, but the, the guy that was tough to work with actually was on the right track and got you through the game. So uh, do you want to make the run at the Super Bowl, or do you want to try to find the new coach that hasn't had an opportunity yet? Is there a financial concern there, too, for Vegas? Because they're on the hook for Gruden money. I see the suit maybe is their question of throwing it out. But, I don't think he but, cares I mean, about that. He's, he's paying I know. Gruden still $10 million a year for, what, four or five more years. Now he's going to bring in Harbaugh with his big demands. You're paying $18 million a year for coaching salaries? As compared to the rest of the league, which is paying an average of what? Six? Five? Five to six a year. So you're outpaying by $13 million in, in your balancing act here. You're at a, a financial disadvantage against your competition. And you're not the richest owner out there by a lot. You've got a good stadium situation for sure. But, you know, you're not Seattle. You're not Cronky. Uh, I, I mean, but he's one of 32 owners. I don't think he's hurting for money. No, not, but you get but my point. I, I mean. That's a big offset there. Yeah, I mean, he's going to save some money for the haircut, Chad. $100 a haircut. <laughs> I mean, that's, look. A dollar you, a you, you bank that money every month for the lack of a haircut <laughs> or, a, or a bad one. And, and who compounding, knows? compounding interest. Coming up, Trey Wallace joins us. Time to talk some SEC headlines. Um, One-year anniversary for one headline. We've, we've got that. Uh, plus college football playoff news and notes, um, transfer portal news and notes, and much more involving the Southeastern Conference. That's all straight ahead. First, though, Aurora Nutriscience and VitaLifeScience.com. Excited uh, to let you know about our trusted partner when it comes to keeping us mentally sharp and healthy. It's Aurora Supplements. And they deliver those when you where you need them the most, and that's your body. You're seeing VitaLifeScience.com. V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com is the website where you can get more information in our OutKick 360 season. Ticket holders, everyone listening, viewing, you receive a 15% discount with the code OutKick360 at checkout. Typical pills, capsules, vitamins, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. Your digestive system breaks these pills down until there's little left for your benefit. But here's Aurora. 
unique cutting-edge nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I personally use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, simple single-use packets that you can grab and go with in the morning, take them with you to work, uh, to school, to the workout, wherever it might be. Aurora supplements are also also going to help you if you're a weekend warrior, if you take medication for high cholesterol, and so much more. VitaLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A LifeScience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at VitaLifeScience.com. Coming up, more 360 headlines, including what Jim Ursay had to say to The Athletic about his Indianapolis Colts. And we will discuss the latest whispers about Tom Brady's career. That's all straight ahead. First, though, we say hello to Trey Wallace, who joins us weekly on Outkick 360s. We broadcast live from 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. You can read Trey Wallace's SEC columns and uh, analysis and reporting. It's uh, up daily at outkick.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Trey, hope you're doing well. Guys, good to, good to see you in person. Uh, y'all got a big thing going on this weekend in Nashville. Got a lot of people heading over there uh, on Saturday. Yeah, quite, quite a few, uh, about 70,000 um, in the stadium and thousands more downtown for, for the matchup with the Titans and the Bengals for sure. Um, let, let's start with uh, the transfer news, and, and let's just start with quarterbacks staying. Stetson Bennett coming back to Georgia. If NIL was not a thing, does this happen? Mm, that's a good question. I don't. I don't think so. I, I, I don't think he has much of a pro career right now ahead of him. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe a practice squad type of player. Now, where's he going? <laughs> Would be my right. question. I mean, He's not playing in the NFL. No, I mean maybe the USFL that's just launched. Maybe he can hop onto that. Um, you know. So I think that well, money he could get a he could get a six figure job somewhere. And now he gets to play college football again. I mean and get paid to do it. His six-figure job comes from Georgia Boosters that'll be paying him to play quarterback for the Bulldogs again next year, which is what he wants right. to do right now. Exactly. He can, look, he can live in Athens the rest of his life and collect paychecks until he's 80. It really doesn't matter. He won a title for them. But I think when when you look at it, you know, he, he's got a couple sponsors already, NIL deals already lined up. I think he's going to be one of the highest-paid athletes in college football next season, even if he's not even starting. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what Georgia and Kirby Smart does with the quarterback room. You know, JT Daniels announces he's transferring, which we all expected. And then an hour later, Stetson Bennett announces he is staying. Um, they've got talent in that room, too. Brock Vandergriff, um, Gunnar Stockton. I mean, they. It, I'll, I'll be interested to see if Stetson Bennett is the starter next season. You know, do, do they open up that quarterback competition and – if not, you'll just hear Bulldog fans whining again till they make the SEC championship, potentially win it then. What are the whispers uh, for JT Daniels' location? You know, I've, I've, I've I talked to somebody this morning. They, they brought up Notre Dame. Uh, they brought up Texas A&M to me um, with potentially LSU as an outlier. Um, so the, those are the three schools that are kind of brought up right now. I, I, I don't know how that's going to play out. Over the next week or two, you guys know this. A lot of times these kids know where they're going before they enter the portal. I imagine JT Daniels has been having conversations with schools, you know, illegally, I guess you could say, <laughs> uh, over the last couple of weeks. But, I, I, you know, he's got to finish up a spring semester. 
And that's what goes on with a lot of these transfers. They have to finish up where they're at, and then they could transfer to their next school. So it's not like he has to make a decision immediately, but I'm sure it would help out the coaches at the other schools when it comes to their numbers. You know, I think the – I don't know if it's the downside because it's going to work out for one person in this story I'm about to ask you about. Uh, Isaiah Nayor uh, out of Wyoming um, – this is college football free agency at both its best and its worst. Uh, probably the best for the player and worst for other parties involved. Isaiah Naor didn't have a lot of offers coming out of high school. He ends up at Wyoming. He's a great player at Wyoming. He enters the transfer portal, and you look at every ranking of player in the transfer portal, he's top three, and he's a receiver from Wyoming. He commits to Tennessee. He's committed for a couple weeks. He goes to Tennessee for an official visit. He stops off in Oxford, Mississippi on the way. He does a very awkward interview with with our guys at FallQuest on his way out where he says he's committed, but he's going to go home and talk it over and then make a final decision and won't really commit if he's going to sign with Tennessee. And then a few days later, he announces on Instagram that he's committed to UT, the University of Texas. And no one was talking about Texas being an option. So here you have a player, I think, pretty obviously – Taking the market out there and saying, I'm getting this here, I'm getting this here, I'm getting this here, what can you do? And getting an offer that eventually blew him away. The capitalist in me says, great, good work. Uh, The college football purist in me says, where in the heck is all of this headed? Uh, And this is kind of the cautionary tale for all of that, Trey. I don't know if I'm mad about it, but this is the reality, especially for guys that didn't get a lot of looks coming out of high school, that's trading up in program to transfer on. Yeah, but my my question to Nayor would have been, why did you commit to a school that you haven't stepped on campus yet? You know, so it, it kind of works both ways. Maybe he jumped the gun when it came to committing to a school that he hasn't been to before. Um, I mean, you can talk to coaches all you want. They can, they can sugarcoat things, NIL Stuff can be thrown out there, and you can have virtual meetings and all that good stuff. But until you step foot on a campus, okay, there's there's a big difference to me. Um, Texas wasn't brought up terribly much when the kid entered the portal, um, but he's from that area, right? you know, that Arlington area. Texas coaches, I mean, look, he was in Knoxville. He, like you said, he stopped by Oxford, then went to Knoxville, and he's he was here for for two days, and I've seen the interviews he's given to multiple recruiting outlets in town. Yeah, it was it was kind of awkward. Um, and and personally, I think the fact that Tennessee um, didn't have everything signed on the dotted line, whatever. Um, I know technically he was enrolled. I know a lot of fans like to look at directories and stuff like that and base everything off that, that means nothing. That just means he's turned in paperwork and he can start school if he wants to. doesn't mean anything. So he goes back to Texas and then all of a sudden Sarkeesian and them go in home with him and then they get him to, to come on campus the next day. And, uh, and he commits to him today. So, you know, and he's signed his paperwork. So, look, this is the world that we're living in right now. I think the kid, unfortunately, I, you know, Probably should have done a little bit more due diligence before committing to Tennessee uh, because it made himself look kind of bad this past weekend in some of those interviews and being a Tennessee commit for a while. But, the, but Chad, I agree. This is the way NIL is. I'm sure Texas came back and said, okay, what's Tennessee offering you? Okay, we can do a little bit better than that. And, hey, guess what? 
you'll be able to play closer to home so all your family and friends can come watch you. So this is the world that we're living in right now. In, in the transfer portal, you know, you, you thought some of the stuff that goes on with high school players is crazy. Wait till you get a four or five star or whatever, enter the transfer portal and see what these schools start offering these kids or not the schools directly, but the people surrounding them in the NIL. I think this is a great example of it. And uh, Sarkeesian got the last visit and Sarkeesian got the player. Trey Wallace with us from Outkick.com. Trey, what do you think about what Billy Napier is doing at Florida right now? A lot of hires. Uh, we're starting to see some of his plan kind of come into place and took over to time where the initial recruiting surge wasn't great. Really picking up, though, now. Uh, what do you think about Billy Napier in, in his early days at Florida? I like what he's doing. I like what he's putting together at linebacker and even at running back right now. Um, his staff is filled out. He's, he's hired some guys with some experience in the Southeastern Conference. Billy Napier, you know, it was going to take a minute. I mean, he wasn't going to get on campus and all of a sudden everything was fine. Even the two weeks leading up to him taking the job when he still coached Lafayette, you know, in, in, in the championship game. So I, I look at what Billy Napier is doing. He's setting a good foundation for the future. It's going to take a minute to build Florida's football program back up. And if that means some players have to leave uh, that, that were getting the easy pass from Mullen, then it needs to be like that. But – He's been getting around to recruits' houses, guys that are still in it for the February signing period. Um, I, I look at it right now, and I think, okay, if he can maintain what he's got on offense – I mean, by the way, Emory Jones is coming back. We don't know if he's going to play quarterback. Maybe they move him around a little bit. That, that helps him out for his future. Anthony Richardson's there. They got the Miller kid from Ohio State, Jack Miller, the transfer – I like what they're doing and putting together a football team. Now it's all about, though, okay, what can you do now that you've got everything kind of established? You, you're, you're down there, the players. The interesting part, too, and he talked about this, was that he sat down and met with every single one of the Florida football players, watched some tape with them, told them where they could get better, or if it didn't work out, said, okay, maybe – you move on and, and go try yourself at a different school. You know, I, I know a lot of coaches do that, but him listening to him talk about that and go through that, I, I think that was uh, for big for what they were doing. There, Chad, there were a lot of problems with the Florida program towards the end of the final six weeks of the Dan Mullen era, and I think he's trying to weed some of that out. So I, I like what he's doing so far. Sounds like Derek Mason's contemplating uh, leaving Auburn for Oklahoma State. What would the bearing on those two programs be? That means Derek Mason's trying to jump off that Brian Harson ship that's already halfway into the water right now and is ready to go full sink and dive here next season. That's what it would be for Derek Mason. Derek Mason's a smart dude. Uh, you guys knew him in, in, in Nashville. I did too. Um, very smart defensive mind. Maybe not have been the best head coach in the world, but he's very calculated with his moves. And whether this be some kind of raise, I don't, I don't know. But I think, you know, making a move to the Big 12 and going to Oklahoma State, that tells me that, that there's, there's a lot of things wrong in Auburn. It, it really does. Because Derek Mason is, in my opinion, one of the top defensive minds in college football. I think we can all agree on that. Um, so him, you know, there's a reason why that stuff gets out. You know, either they're looking for the raise or they're going to take the job and it's kind of – setting things up for what it's going to be over the next couple of weeks. But um, to me, it, it, there's a lot of problems on the planes right now 
folks not getting along with Harson behind the scenes. You know, you've got boosters trying to do one thing and the coaches trying to do other. You know, there's even been talk that the athletic director is going to be around, Alan Green, at the beginning of next football season. So I, we'll see what Derek Mason does. If he takes the Oklahoma State job, good for him because I think he sees that maybe it's not working out in Auburn for that coaching staff. Trey, shifting gears to, to SEC basketball, is there a less respected and liked successful coach than Will Wade at LSU? Uh, I, I watch his teams play, and I think, boy, they're talented. They play really hard for this guy, and I watch his demeanor on the sideline. I, I watch him going crazy last night on something I didn't even think was a goaltend that he should have been that upset about. I watch his post-game presser, and I think, is there? I, I don't really hear coaches go to bat for him and talk about you know how well-coached LSU is. Um, he is public enemy number one in, in college basketball, certainly in the SEC, but his teams are good year in and year out. Gee, I wonder why that is, Trey. What, what do you think? You wonder why that is, right? Yeah. You know, it's strong coaching techniques. Yes. That's exactly what it is. He's got uh, their back. back. <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. He also reminds me of Daniel LaRusso and Cobra Kai. Yeah. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, you you look at Will Wade and what he's done. Look, nobody outside of Baton Rouge likes Will Wade. You can ask coaches around. Nate Oates doesn't like him. Rick Barnes, not going to put words in his mouth, but we've heard comments before from Rick Barnes and, and other coaches around the conference. Um, he's cocky. He thinks he can get away with anything he can in Baton Rouge. And to be honest with you, as long as he's winning, the folks down there at LSU, they're going to stick beside him. They, they've been beside him this far. I mean, think how far we've come since that SEC tournament game or or even when he wasn't allowed to coach because he wouldn't you know, talk about what was going on. And he's still there. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's the least likable coach. I mean, he outdoes Bruce Pearl on a national level. Um, and, and I look at him, and it's a, to me, personally, it's all fake. It comes off as fake to me what he does with the media. Now, I'm not saying what he does with his players and the way he gets his players going is fake because he, he's obviously getting the best out of his group, even when they don't have Xavier Pinson like they had last night um, or, or days down low in the post. So I, I look at it and think, okay, you're doing a great job, but nobody else likes you. And that's why there's going to be 21,000 fans Saturday night inside Thompson Bowling Arena that are going to make his life a living hell for probably 40 minutes. Should be fun. Trey, final 60 seconds with you. Uh, your thoughts on uh, where we were a year ago with Jeremy Pruitt and the Josh Heupel era about to begin. Uh, I, I think Tennessee's leaps and bounds better than where they were. Um, you, you look at everything that happened, the press conference, Philip Fulmer, retiring. Um, you you look at how Josh Heupel has come in and, and been able to establish the, his culture, I think is the biggest thing. Um, it, it's night and day from where this squad was from a mental standpoint to where they are right now. Um, I, I don't know if Josh Heupel is going to be the coach here in the next five years, but I do know that he did a really good job in his first year of bringing this team together. Um, and, and we'll see what he does in his second year, but he's got the support of Danny White, Don DePlowman, the people around him. They're investing money in the program. Now let's see what he can do in his second year with the volunteers. But you got to like where they sit right now on the offensive side of the ball. The thing that worries me is defense, but maybe they can correct that after spring practice in the portal. Trey Wallace, you can read his SEC work, outkick.com, and of course follow him on Twitter for all the videos, tweets, and uh, much more. 
Um, but you were on something last night on Twitter. What the what is it called? Spaces. Spaces. Twitter Spaces. Spaces. Uh, spaces. I find that interesting. I you. I like. I I used to do that a lot. Um, when uh, it was something else, Periscope. Periscope. But look, yeah. every, every now and then, I like to just hop on, and if people want to ask questions, they can ask questions, or we can just sit there and talk about whatever. So I saw you in there. You didn't ask a question. You ducked out. <laughs> I popped in. You should have called on. You should have called on. I wanted to know what it you're, sounded you're, like. It sounded uh, great. Your Mr. Hutton in the back. Your spaces appearance went way better than Darren Ravel's a couple nights ago, <laughs> Trey. So let me let me commend you for that. Not hard much, to be better now. Much better appearance. <laughs> He's so bad, man. I look forward to getting one of those authentic cards like he has one day. (laughs) Trey, appreciate you, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, Trey. Trey Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Coming up, uh, Jim Irsay and what he had to say to the athletic. He can't can't shut up. (laughs) A lot of owners never talk. They can't. Jim Irsay's not one of them. uh, Also, we will get into the whispers. There are people talking about uh, Tom Brady and uh, could we see the GOAT retire win or lose this this postseason the whispers are back we'll discuss on outkick 360 outkick 360 rolls on brady is in the postseason and we're beginning to hear the whispers of the goat and retirement i mean the man is 44 coming off one of the best seasons of his entire career uh is in the middle of it actually with what he did last week against philly and now what he's capable of doing against the L.A. Rams. They've played once already this season, and it was the week before they went to Foxborough, uh, the Bucks, and he put up over 400 yards passing. Now, the Rams won that game back in week three, but Brady, with even with short passing, put up some big numbers in that game. But, you know, throughout the season, guys, I didn't hear this as much about after this year, this is the year. But over the last couple of weeks, and really 10 days, starting to hear it from those who have been close with Brady in the past, either in a working capacity or in a locker room. So Rob Nikovich, one of his former teammates, is now with ESPN. He's saying through uh, ESPN Plus, he would not be surprised if Brady retired after the season. This is on the heels of what Seth Wickersham wrote at ESPN. And Wickersham wrote a book about Brady. A couple about years the back. Patriots. About the Patriots, yes. Uh, uh, recently. Yeah, very recently, that's right. Um, with all the backstories there. And it was uh, Wickersham who said he would not be surprised if Brady retired, hung it up after this season. Uh, I personally don't want to see it because the guy is playing at a, such a high rate. And I, I buy it whenever he says that he's going to continue to bring it for as, as long as he can until his, he's not helping his team compete for championships. He's certainly doing that in Tampa. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I'm hoping that this is just, you know what? He's 44. Yeah, I could see him retire. I hope it's nothing more than that. Well, selfishly, I want him to play till he's 50 uh, out of uh, curiosity because he's playing so well right now at 44. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I also, I mean, we could speculate about this. I know these guys are close to him, but I'd like to hear a little bit more why, why you wouldn't be surprised if this happened. Other than he's forty-four, I mean, I, I think anybody could say, "Well, I wouldn't be well, surprised." One, one of the reasons if from a forty-four-year-old that's done everything decided yeah. to retire at the end of the year. Well, one of the one of the reasons was um, 
all of the different business ventures that he's involved with now. And he's adding even more to that with the clothing line and, and NIL and everything else. I don't buy that. Um, that was one of the reasons that was he's, pointed He's got him. plenty of time to get to his business I'm, ventures. Uh, and he's never, never talked about any feeling of pull. I mean, he's talked about playing longer. And, uh, you know, I'd buy it more from Wickersham, frankly, than from a former teammate who's got an inkling. Uh, Wickersham is, I don't know how tied into Brady, but he's tied into the Patriot operation that certainly is tied into to Brady. Um, Darlington is heavily tied into Brady also. Um, so I'm not dismissing it based on, on Wickersham's sourcing, who's, who's one of the best out there. But he said time and time again, you know, uh, he, he wants to, to stretch it out and, and – and test father time and all of those things. I, I could see maybe a scenario where if they want it again, there might be some temptation to, to end on top. You know, you always compare the like uh, Ted Williams to Willie Mays endings and those kind of things. But um, I, I, I just don't see it. I, I see him wanting to push as long as he can with the age thing, based on everything he said, not based on any gut feeling of mine. He's repeatedly talked about pushing, pushing so, the So number. one thing we know, though, those guys are talking, but Tom Brady himself not talking. Jim Irsay can't stop talking oh. after the Colts collapse in an exclusive interview with Zach Kiefer of The Athletic. And uh, I don't even think this is hyperbole, but I love how far Irsay goes in describing that game against Jacksonville. Uh, he described it as, quote, an epic shortfall. Goes on to say, Frank and Chris and I realize the weight of this historic collapse and then says, it's not normal. The finger is never pointed at someone else. It's always we. I'm inclusive in it. We all have to get better. The fact that it wasn't even a close game, I can't even find the words to describe it, Ursay said of the loss to Jacksonville. It was nothing I ever imagined. It goes on to say, uh, he doesn't worry about people's feelings. If he had something to say to Carson, he would have said it to his face. Says, we have great people <laughs> in this organization, but just because you're a nice person doesn't mean that you're cut out for this business. That was the quote that I took away from it because watching that Hard Knocks finale where Frank Reich's up there, who is a, seems to be a very nice person, and talking about the nice people and the great people in that building, that they're the ones that are going to turn it around, to me, that was a direct shot at that idea that just because we're a bunch of nice guys we can fix this and that is the owner saying that's not necessarily the case that, that's strong and that, I don't com know that comes how across as a ballard line as well i don't know how yeah. long he serves himself by continuing to say these things publicly it starts to fade for the public i know they're still mad but now well, you're quiet for a time. It starts you to think, go away, and but, you're re-raising oh well, it by talking. But, but it. think about it from a fan perspective. How many times do, do we hear from fans of any team that want their owner to care as much as they do? Oh, all this the time. This dude does. I know. but And he said so. And I, now I think, he's continuing to say so. I don't know how he's – and look, I want guys to talk. But from a team management position, you address it, which he's done – and then you go behind the scenes and get to work on it. I don't know how it's serving him or his franchise for him to I, I think continue it, to revisit. I don't know that you continue to revisit over and over again, 
But I do think that it serves the fans a little bit for the satisfaction of knowing that someone feels the way they feel about it. Yeah. Because if you're a Colts fan and you watch that finale of Hard Knocks, I'm thinking, do these guys even care? What? Why do I care so much if they don't care? If they're just showing up and, all right, guys, let's pack it up and leave. It's a great room, great bunch of people also in this room. Also there, We're though, he makes out. it sound like Wentz is not capable. And Wentz is going to have a role on that team next year. So you're looking at him saying, well, there's the quarterback the owner says is incapable starting. Well, they want him to add a little grit to his play. I mean, he had a good year. If you just follow him week to week, but the end result leaves a lot to be desired. One thing on every NFL game this weekend next on Now Kick 360.